Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. For animal lovers, tomorrow is a very special day. It has been declared Betty White Challenge Day because Betty was going to turn 100 tomorrow. There was going to be a big celebration. Unfortunately, she passed just a couple of weeks ago. So animal lovers picked up the ball and said, let's make it the Betty White Challenge Day and support animal shelters all over the world. And so here we are with Sherry Wachter, Vice President of Marketing at the Humane Society of Broward County, to tell us how you are going to be celebrating the Betty White Challenge. Good morning, Sherry. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, because I know you are a fellow animal lover. Uh, Yes, yes. You know, when I come in, I know how you and I just kind of wander around and look at the dogs and look at the cats and the bunnies, and it's like, I want them all. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you in, what is it, 25 years now you've been at the Humane Society of Broward County? Actually, 26. 26, okay. That keeps happening every year. It goes up another Mm -hmm. year. But certainly you have proven not only your love for animals, but your adeptness, your ability at helping to make an environment, create an environment where they're happy while they're in the shelter and where people who come in looking for animals can find what they need. And also because you're a nonprofit, to raise funds through a number of different ways. And the Betty White Challenge is going to be a key fundraiser this year. Tell me, what are you doing? What's the purpose? So as you mentioned, you know, I think Betty White, everybody knows Betty White. She was a Hollywood icon. I mean, I know we both grew up watching her. Everything she did was just wonderful. She was funny. And, you know, she had a love of animals. I was reading an article that said Betty White had 26 dogs (gasps) in her lifetime. And I'm sure we've seen many pictures of her. She was also a supporter of the, the zoos and wildlife. So she truly was a huge animal lover. And whoever came up with this idea, I think it's fabulous. It is a way that anybody can get involved and make a donation to your local shelter. It doesn't have to be a large donation. I think they're asking for a $5 donation, but any amount is greatly appreciated. And make that donation in memory of Betty White. And let's get shelters across the country able to raise some much needed funds. Well, I know the funds are needed. Like once again, when they had the tornado in Tennessee, The Humane Society was there moving animals out of the shelters, bringing them to other shelters around the country to help them either stay somewhere until they could be reunited with their owners, their parents, or to be adopted because so many of them were left homeless. People forget that you do so many things around the country to help animals in dire situations and then bring them into the Humane Society of Broward and give them a wonderful home until somebody walks in and says, yep, you're mine. I'm taking you with me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important. Um, We definitely, you know, when we are asked to assist in other areas in times of disaster, we will step up as long as we have the resources to help. In regards to Tennessee, we actually didn't go to Tennessee. There were other shelters that were involved with that. But I think it's also important to remember that each animal shelter is independent. We're not related. There's not like one big bank account where all the money gets deposited and then it gets divided up. Each shelter is independent and each rescue group is independent. So, you know, it's important to realize that when you donate to your local shelter, that money is staying locally to help. And it helps with programs, whether it be through 
vaccinations for the pets that are here at the shelter or providing a surgery so that a pet can stay with its owner because they can't afford to have the dog's leg maybe fixed because it broke its leg in an accident. Mm. So it's important to remember that when you donate to your local shelter, the money is staying locally to help the animals in the community, as well as help in times of disaster. Not only that, you also do animal behavior and training classes for pet parents. And I'm very excited to see that your camps are back in person again. Um, yes. You know, for a while you couldn't do anything in person because of the pandemic. But, you know, Omicron is less severe and more people are now vaccinated that you can bring back, particularly like the kids camps when they're off from school or spring camp. Yes. So the camps are back in session. I will tell you, they do sell out quickly. So if you have kids and you're looking for, I mean, typically there's spring break camps. We have camps when kids are off from school. So the best thing to do is check our website. It's humanebroward.com and go to the education tab. There you'll find the different camp dates and when you can sign up for them. But we also do, as you mentioned, dog obedience classes. So I know that over the holidays, because I've seen many people walking new pets in my neighborhood, that many people got dogs or puppies. And we do offer dog obedience classes here at the Humane Society. If you're not comfortable coming to a class, we have lots of great handouts on our website. Maybe you're needing some help with potty training your new pet or um, getting their pet to walk on a leash, whatever it may be, there is a whole segment under the services tab, behavior and training, and then you can find lots of, there's even videos on there. Right. They started Zoom classes and ways that you can do things virtually as well. Um, And then, of course, your auxiliary Pets Are Worth Saving Pause is back to doing things in person. In fact, on the 26th of this month is the Angel Paws Luncheon and Fashion Show. Is that a fashion show for adults or for pets? (laughs) Um, That is a women's fashion show. And at this point, I believe that event is already sold out. Wow. Um, But they do. Their events are fabulous. I know that they have the gala, which will be held in May. Uh, this year. Hopefully everything will go smoothly, but that is slated for May 7th. Yeah, and that's an Um, amazing event. You know, I've been several times and there's not just fabulous food and beverage and dancing and entertainment, but they always have some featured pets that they bring out and somebody always gets adopted, which is just so wonderful. And I think one of the things I, I really believe one of the reasons that Betty White lived so long Aside from her stated food that she ate every day, which was hot dogs, bologna sandwiches, and vodka with a splash of grapefruit, I think animals, they literally do. It's proven scientifically. They help keep your blood pressure low and have all of these beneficial effects on your mental health, your physical health, because you've got this creature that loves you unconditionally. So I credit them with helping people get through difficult times, and I believe it helps you live a longer, happier life. Adoption isn't really the focus of the Betty White Challenge, but I would urge people to make that part of it as well. I agree. I think if you, you know, if you've thought about adopting, um, you know, maybe stop by the shelter. You never know who you might fall in love with. 
Um, appointments are not necessary. However, we do ask that you go to the website again, humanebroward.com, to fill out the pre-adoption application prior to visiting. And then, then you can meet with a pet if you see one that you want to take home. Okay. And now I know you have on your Facebook page a place where people can make their, it, all that you're asking for is $5. If you want to give more, obviously that's welcome. But, you know, when you've got mass amounts of people donating $5 each, it does add up. Is there somewhere on the website where people can make the donation too? Yes. If you go to the website, there will be a pop-up screen and you can just click on that link and it will uh, take you to the page where you can make a donation in honor of the fabulous Betty White. Yeah, she's, oh my gosh, I just, who doesn't love Betty? Um, exactly. And, and I have a feeling this is going to be an annual event now. And I hope so. I think it will really, truly help many shelters and rescue groups. Yeah. And I think also it will do a lot to enlighten people and inform them about the benefits of pets and why they are worth saving, whether they're domesticated pets or animals in the wild, ocean creatures, whatever it is, they are all part of our circle of life and they're just, they're magical. They are truly magical. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. All right. Well, the Humane Society of Broward County is so simple to get to just west of 95 on Griffin Road, a fabulous shelter courtesy of Marty Heisanga when she was alive. She donated a tremendous amount of money and helped rebuild the shelter. And you will be so impressed when you go there. You're not going to want to leave. Um, <laughs> I know I don't. Um, are you in need of volunteers right now? I know kids can get service hours for volunteering. What's your status on that? So, well, for the kids for their service hours, those programs, there's a limited number. And at this point, the spots have been filled. But you can, again, check our website. Okay. Uh, we are in need of volunteers. We have positions open. We especially need volunteers, what we call adoption ambassadors. So those are volunteers that take home a pet that might not be adjusting well to the shelter environment. They might be nervous or, you know, it is loud sometimes if your dog next to you is barking. Yeah. So volunteers take these dogs, cats, even bunny rabbits sometimes into their homes. They remain on our website up for adoption, but it's it's our hope that through that foster slash ambassador home, they're able to network the pet with their friends, family, co-workers, and find the pet a home so it doesn't have to come back to the facility. So we're always in need of adoption ambassadors. It's a great way to have a pet, but not have to make a lifetime commitment to one. And as soon as you find a home for that pet, we're able to give you another one. So it's not for puppies and kittens. It's for the pets that are older and not even older. It could be a one-year-old dog that's nervous here at the facility, but right. it's a great program and it really helps. We also need volunteers that are foster parents who take in puppies or kittens that are too young to be placed up for adoption or a pet that might be recovering from a medical condition so that once they're better, they can come back and find their forever families as well. And one other thing that I have to mention, you know, when the pandemic first started, there were a lot of adoptions um, mm -hmm. because people were stuck at home and obviously they were looking for company. And then when things started loosening up, we heard stories about people wanting to return the pets they had adopted. And now we're running through this same cycle again, where I keep seeing stories. Well, all these pets were adopted. What do we do with them? And all I can think is, well, what else would you do with them? You keep them. That's why you adopt. Has that been a concern for you at the Humane Society of Broward County? We have seen a few returns, but not large quantities. And, and I would say returns no more 
you know, maybe someone's allergic and they didn't know they were allergic, things of that nature. We've had a few, you know, return because people are moving. They've lost their jobs. But really, people need to remember that when you get a pet, it's not just for to keep you know, the kids occupied. And it's another you know, it's, child. It's a commitment. It's, it's a commitment. It, it is like having another child and should be treated as another child with everything that you would give the baby you birth, you give to your pet, but you don't have to pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you have to pay for doggy school. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Dogs definitely do need a certain amount of training. Cats kind of do their own thing. You know, they tend to get litter trained quite easily, but you are there for them if they are having any kind of littering issues or behavioral issues. So again, keep in mind, it's humanebroward.com. If someone wants to call for information, what's the number? You can give us a call. The number is 954 954- Nine eight nine three nine seven seven, and I also just want to mention quickly: if you want to donate, I would say product. Uh, we have wish lists on Amazon and Chewy, so you can pick out dog treats or cat toys. Um, on Amazon, we have everything from hoses that we use to clean the kennels to office supplies. Things that you might not think an animal shelter would need are on our Amazon wish list, so you can check it out there as well. Right. And if you go through smile.amazon.com, you can also make the Humane Society of Broward your chosen charity, and you guys will then receive a percentage of the purchases that someone makes throughout the year. Yes, you are correct. Okay. Well, I think that's for now. The best thing probably is go to the website, humanebrower.com, because there's so much you do. We can't possibly cover it in one program and we'll forget. (laughs) So come spring, we'll get together again and talk about what's coming up for summer. And you've got the walk for the animals on March 5th. I don't want to forget to mention that. And look for our pet of the week on our pet of the week page. And you will notice that we will once again have our air personalities (laughs) with the pets. We couldn't do it for a while because of the pandemic, but that's going to start up again. And that always, I'm telling you, when I would come in, it was the best part of my job. Aw. Yep, I'm not kidding. So look for that always on our Facebook page and on our website as well. Sherry Wachter, Vice President of Marketing for the Humane Society of Broward County. The work you do is tremendous. Thank you so much for talking to us today. And go Betty! (laughs) (laughs) Joining us now on Community Focus with Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, we want to take a look at the state of civil rights and racial equality in our country nowadays. And I am so happy to welcome the president, CEO of the Urban League of Broward County, Jermaine Baugh. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you for having me this morning. You know, you've been president, CEO of the Urban League of Broward County for more than 15 years. I figure you're probably an expert on a lot of the questions I have for you. What attracted you to the Urban League in the first place? Well, I guess for the listeners, maybe we should not say that I'm an expert, but the fact that we're going to enter into a conversation, right? Okay, that's um, fair. Where, <laughs> where, where we're going to be learning from one another. But to your initial question, what attracted me to the Urban League, really, it's been 25 years. I've been with the Urban League the last 15 years as its president and CEO. And what attracted me to the Urban League is really the diversity of the services and programs that the Urban League provides in community. That's what attracted me. What has kept me, I would say, for 25 years 
is really a clear understanding that through the advocacy, the research, the program services, the reputation and brand of the Urban League, that we can use all of that to really change the trajectory of the lives of families and communities. Love hearing that. Have there been I mean, you've been there 25 years is a long time. Have you seen Mm -hmm. changes or improvements in the way that the Urban League does what it does and its impact on the community? Yeah, I mean, if I even think about, to your point, 25 years is a significant amount of time to be with one company, particularly in this day and age. You don't really hear that too often. So I'm really blessed to have that experience. And to your point, Ellen, to be able to see an organization evolve in order to meet the needs of communities. So just for perspective, when I entered the Urban League, we probably had a million dollars in program dollar services, uh, worth of services. We move now to close to $10 million in programs and services. So clearly that's an increase in what we can do for uh, children, adults, and families. But I think most importantly is to be able to sit back. I am a trained, I'm a master's level social worker. I have my doctorate in organizational leadership. So I, I straddle the fence of direct services and administration and have a really keen love for both. And to see the Urban League really work diligently to focus on families holistically. There's so much in our system that breaks families apart. So we work only with the child or we work only with the mother or work only with the father. You know, we're really evolving to be the organization that is focused on the whole family. Because if you don't focus on the whole family, however the family is defined, you're running the challenge of not having that two-gen or multi-generational change in families, which I know personally is possible. Well, I want to hear more about that and really let the listeners know about the services because they're tremendous. But what I really wanted to talk to you about today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, the commemoration Mm -hmm. of his life. And, you know, he's so well known, but I still question how many people actually know what he's known for except fighting for civil rights. How did his life and work inspire your life and work? So I will tell you that I, I love the fact that you said how many people really know him. And I think as I've been challenged myself and I challenge other people is there's so much that's fed to us about Dr. Martin Luther King, right? So much that is fed to us in the media, the, the I have a dream speech will be repeated, you know, over and over again, you know, in over this weekend and tomorrow. So I've had to challenge my own self to go a little deeper, you know, over the decades as an adult. I challenge my children to do the same thing and those who are around me. I mean, he has so many writings and literary works that folks can dive into and learn more about his perspective and what he was looking at from civil rights to economic development to issues around family and the Vietnam War. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I think that all of that clearly makes him who he is. But again, we spend a lot of time just on one sliver of his life. And frankly, if we're very honest with ourselves, on one speech, 
um, predominantly. Right. Right. And, And the measure of the man was not just that. I think what inspires me about his life and his work might feel a little odd as I say this uh, to you, but hopefully the listeners would understand. I'm a wife and I'm a mother. And the thing that I often warms my heart when I do look at pictures and have had the opportunity to, you know, visit different places where he is highlighted are the pictures of his family. Mm. And as busy clearly as he was and as stretched and stressed, I'm very sure as he was, that he still found time to be with his family in a way that still makes them revere him. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you have stories where people are do very well professionally, but personally, even upon their passing, children don't honor them. And I think it's really a testament to that balance, however he and his wife did that, to be able to be able to share that with the world. And I admire that. And I I pray that I'm able to do that balance, you know, that dance in that way. I think the second thing is the focus particular that he had on economic development as he evolved in his leadership that the idea that what is going to change the trajectory for Black people in America is a leveling of the playing field from an economic perspective. That's the other thing. So what's amazing to me as you talk about that, first of all, I agree with you 100% about his family. They've obviously followed in his footsteps and continued to work on a lot of the issues that he was working for. You know, look at the marches that he organized for integrated schools and for freedom, for jobs, for housing, things that he's not always associated for. But, you know, it's been 50, more than 50 years now since he was, well, assassinated had he mm-hmm. been alive, God knows what more he might have accomplished, but 50 years even since the Civil Rights Act. And I can't help looking at where we are today and thinking, why are we still looking at a situation where people are still fighting for the same rights that they've been legally given, and yet people are trying to stop them from receiving them? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you ever think that these inequities would still be an issue more than 50 years later? What I think so, yes, only because I have a strong belief that systems perpetuate themselves. If you think about why would anyone logically speaking, want to change something that benefits them, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so in essence, because it benefits certain people, you will continue to perpetuate it. It may not be as, um, and, and one might argue this, but it may not be as brutal right, as it was before. It might be um, more covert as opposed to overt in its actions and how it shows up, but systems perpetuate themselves until they must be disrupted, right? And the must be disrupted part is going to come either because those who are feeling oppressed or being oppressed disrupts the status quo. But the system in itself is not going to change just to change. And clearly with the what I call the eruption of consciousness that occurred in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd and then subsequently Breonna Taylor and, and, and all those who came before and after is like the unheard said enough. 
The question, I think, is how far are we going to move the baton? So Dr. Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders moved the baton so that you and I could have this conversation, right? right? right. You know, I'm the only woman CEO in the state of Florida for an urban league. There are Mm. eight urban leagues in Florida, right? There are women leaders who move the baton down a little bit further so that I could be in this role. So as my daughter said to me in the middle of all the phone calls, et cetera, my daughter is 14, that I was receiving right after the murder of George Floyd and and the like. She says, Mom, you're working so hard. And this was her thing. She said, but isn't this going to happen again? Oh, my gosh. And And I sat there for a second. And Ellen, you could be in this moment, and hopefully the listeners can be too, as on one hand, professionally and personally, I also have a son that's 18, You're dealing with it personally with your family. I'm dealing with it professionally as the CEO of the Urban League. And then everything else just personally inside of you. And she looks at me like, Mom, isn't this going to happen? And I had to stop and say to her, to your point that you're making, Ellen, I don't know what 50 years from now will look like. Mm -hmm. But today, I'm on the wall. I'm on the wall today. And I think all of us have to acknowledge the fact that we're on the wall today. And what are we going to do with the baton that we have? Well, your daughter is incredibly insightful because I did not realize how how far away we really are from mm-hmm. 50 years ago when civil rights was, yay, we've got civil rights. And you mentioned the George Floyd murder. For me, that was a huge awakening, and I hope it was an awakening for people of all color, particularly white people who think, hey, there's equality in our country. There is not equity. There there just isn't. Black people in particular are starting from behind the line when you grow up in a neighborhood where you don't have equal schooling, and that's the beginning of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And we are seeing more activity and more vocal aggression from white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups, which for the life of me, I never thought after the Holocaust we'd see that again. But they're more open mm-hmm. than ever. So what can we do together as a community? What can we do to bring people of all colors together and see each other as human beings and not as others? And how do we start real conversations between people of all colors and backgrounds to recognize what other people deal with? So I would start with this. And, you know, as we shared, hopefully we could continue uh, this conversation. I will tell you that when this awakening occurred, I got a lot of phone calls from white friends, acquaintances, and colleagues. And of course, with the, oh my God, what is this? And I, I told them that I wasn't ready to talk. I was very honest. And I think one of the things I'm very clear about is, is being my authentic self. And I was very, I'm not ready to speak. I'm not ready to take on all your wives and and all that. I need space. So I think it's also important that we acknowledge that sometimes space is important for us to breathe and to think and to figure out where we are individually. But what I said to the folks that called me or reached out to me in whatever way they did, I said, I want you to think about five people that you, you know, 
closest to you or however you want to to engage. And I want you to ask them if they feel the same level of angst and frustration and anger and annoyance that you feel. And I guarantee you that you will be shocked at some of the responses. And when folks call me back later, they're like, some people aren't even like responding like, what is the problem? I said, therein lies an opportunity for you to have a conversation because these people are close to you, but yet they're completely unbothered by what is occurring for other people in this world. And you know, If we're not going to stand up for the least amongst us by the time they come for you, there's a whole quote around this, there will be nobody to speak for you. And the idea of what we can do moving forward, I think one is exactly what you just said, is to acknowledge our ignorance. And ignorance isn't just in any one group of people. All of us, we're all educated, guess what, in the same system. Mm-hmm. So the things that we know and don't know were probably, and not many people go further than that, it's probably about the same. So therefore, we all have to educate ourselves. I've been reading a book. It's called The Under Other Suns, I think it is. Oh, yes. I saw that on uh, Amazon, The Warmth of Other Suns. And the author is Isabel Wilkerson. The book itself really gives a great opportunity to outline the migration of Black people from the southern parts of the United States to north and also to the west and what that was like for African-Americans. And I think that we then second to take the time to educate ourselves, all of us. We should make no assumptions that what, because of the color of my skin, that I'm more knowledgeable than you. But I do believe that the experiences that we share, we have to be able to share them at tables where there's equal power sharing, where you can share your story and I can share my story. One doesn't make it better or worse than the other. It's a sharing of those narratives that helps us to understand the why behind some of the things that we see in data and some of the things that we see play out in the media and the like. Okay. So I'd like to make a commitment with you to continue Mm -hmm. to have these conversations and bring more people into them and share both what we've learned, how we've learned it, and what our perceptions or misconceptions may be about each other to bring people closer. And again, to get that sense of we're all humans. You know, I think about it sometimes if an alien attacked the planet, if aliens attacked, all humans would come together to protect the planet. And no longer would we be the others, the aliens would be the others. So, you know, we shouldn't have to wait to be attacked from a perhaps questionable species (laughs) from out of the solar system um, to be able to appreciate each other's cultures and each other's past situations. It's, you know, they always talk about walking in someone's shoes And it really does take that a lot of times to be able to understand what motivates people to behave the way they do. So I would love to continue. I I would love to do it now, but we're out of time. And I do want to also get together and talk more about, again, the programs that the Urban League of Broward County has and how you are already working for many of the same issues that Dr. King worked for and get everyone involved in this process of bringing people together. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ellen, for the time. And for as it relates to the Urban League, people can go online at ulbroward.org and learn more about our programs and services or follow us on Facebook at UL Broward, as well as Twitter and Instagram. So there are lots of ways that people can connect with the Urban League. And I look forward to the continued conversation. As do I. Thank you so much for your time, for your background, and for your honesty and being willing to start this conversation. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Jermaine Baugh, President, CEO of the Urban League of Broward County. You will definitely be back. Thank you for listening to Community Focus today. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen.jaffe, it's two Fs like in Frank, one E, at cmg.com. I always love to hear your thoughts. And please come back, join us again next Sunday for a new edition of Community Focus.